I am unashamed. What about you? It's funny that we just spent about three minutes, three to five, trying to figure out. Phil said, that what's this thing? And he was doing his fingers. And you know, he started like, doing letters. It's like there was a, there was one time in my life I remember the fastest way to do something. I was thinking calculator. The uh, fastest key. way to get information. Somebody yeah. said somebody in the crew said telegraph. I heard telegraph. Yeah, telegraph fell. Said I remember that, but that's not it. And I was like, what could it be? <laughs> I mean, fingers on a keyboard. How S S F A C. And then finally, I was like. A-S-D, a typewriter, Phil went, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Where have we come in our society? It literally took three minutes to come up with typewriter. We're so far away. It's like a game of charades. I could type so well that the typing teacher turned the class over to me to help the students learn how to type. But for some reason or another, I just had quick fingers. Well, I don't know why you didn't pass that down to me, because when I took typing in high school, I think I finished last in the class. You're kidding. I did finish, and they did pass me. Yeah, I just I just would punch you were, them. You were index finger only. Yeah, pretty you were, much. You were using your... Well, I mean, you know, they no don't one, even teach that no anymore. No one had ever... They had never dreamed up the computer, the... The, the beep, 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 all this, all this high tech, none of that was there. None. Well, one of our producers there said, uh, 60 through 64. She held up a phone and said, There is more technology in the phone than what went into us flying to the moon. Yeah. Just think about that. I know I was. I'm still can't wrap my head around that. Of course, I doesn't believe we ever went to the moon. Well, that's so true. So that's a whole new thing. <laughs> but he also thinks OJ is innocent. So well, I don't know that yeah. you can. <laughs> and that there's just thousands of people being abducted by panthers and cougars <laughs> yeah. on a daily basis. So I guess that was a bad example. Is that the only? <laughs> the well, point you know, of they it, don't even they, they don't even teach typing anymore. I don't think they, that's not even a thing. It's like the technology. I mean, the keyboard. No. Most people don't even use a keyboard anymore. Now it's the it's the scroll. You know, it's the it's just well, a screen you, you touch. Oh, I guess so. Well, and voice activated, right? I mean, because now most people just yeah. speak text in because I get text, but of course, half the time they're the words are wrong. Oh, Which, I don't. Yeah, on the last day of duck season, Missy was sending me texts. What time she was trying to organize, you know, the meal when I get back. And somehow or another, because it was pouring down rain. So I'm, I triggered, or the rain did, the voice analysis. And all of a sudden, I just started s- sending paragraphs of debris her way. <laughs> And she was getting angry because I it was the rain was pelting on and it just kept resending the rain it was rain activated <laughs> it just kept coming and everything I was trying to say while we were hunting was coming in bits and pieces. And well, just, high tech stuff is a is a bummer in my opinion, but more shocking than that that Hebrews two down at the bottom. 
I find it difficult to view myself as <laughs> royal, as royalty. <laughs> We're not sure what text that is, but we know I'm it's gonna, down at the bottom. I'm gonna go look it up and see if it's at the bottom. Down the bottom left hand side on my Bible. <laughs> <laughs> Which Phil, you just proved our point about technology. According according to the bottom of page six forty one in the NIV. <laughs> Oh, why is that so funny? <laughs> Left-hand side, down at the bottom. Uh, but but y'all don't have a, a rassle or a little bit of a, what's the word, a little bit of shame maybe, to be a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. It just, it yesterday we covered this, but it didn't hit me till this morning. And I got up and I got my Bible and I looked at that. I said, let's see what I was trying. I think I was trying to say, I don't think I deserve that. No, well, we definitely. I mean, royalty? No. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, I'm so looking around to the left, right? I just, I'm having a difficult time viewing myself, Al. You're my oldest son. Maybe you can. As royalty, no, I, I, I mean, it's, I, it, no, it's, I'm it's embarrassed, funny you say that. Right? I mean, I'm embarrassed. I'm kind of fearfully embarrassed. That no, that, it's it's the old. What's the line that Smith used on you? It seems too good to be true. And and what did he say? It 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 does seem too good, but it is true. But it is. It true. is too good. It's too good for us all. Which which, by the way, well, I probably shouldn't give you all this, but I will. Uh, for our our listeners, a little spoiler that that uh, conversation is in the movie that we did. There's some, and it is a powerful scene when when you come to un- understand the truth of it. I mean, you're like you hear it, and you're like, "It sounds too good to be true." It's a perfect response. Oh, it's it's too good for all of us, but it is true. And and uh, you know, you uh, you'd mentioned you were talking this morning about the mercy part in Ephesians one. I was like, man, that's exactly the answer though. When you move into, before you understand that you're a Royal priesthood, you, you do have to understand that it's completely uh, a result of God's mercy and not, not your yeah. own doing. No, and he, <clears throat> that's what I was going to say, dad. I, I, I recognize the same thing as you. I woke up this morning looking back at this text cause I knew we were going forward. But when I look back, Peter came to the same conclusion as you because he says in verse 10, right after that verse, once you were not a people, yeah, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So he came to the same conclusion you came to. It's not about you. you there's no way you deserve this. That's right. I mean, I think the verse, had, I think the verse you were referring to, Phil, Correct me, because I mean, I just don't think I I don't feel worthy of being called having royalty. Well, let me get this verse because a lot of people are looking at the left hand lower corner of the Bible. (laughs) (laughs) I hate to leave a cliffhanger. Maybe on the left hand corner of Hebrews two at the bottom, mine says, "Both the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy are of the same family." Yeah. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers. I mean, which text? You know, maybe Zach, because uh, Jesus had so much trouble, and John the Baptist uh, alerting people that the kingdom, which would be royalty, 
was yeah. was at hand. So I think maybe if we we uh, I view myself as a member of the kingdom without any problem at all. I just never had thought about the kingdom making it uh, a person available to be a royal, be in together with a royal group, royal priest. Oh, uh, yeah, I love it. I mean, well, you're it, part of it, yeah. the royal I mean, family. It's, like, it's the Lord, ultimate I'm not, I'm not worth kingdom. that kind of uh, wordage. I, I mean, I, 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 it, it goes back to that Daniel, too, when he said he'd set up a kingdom that would crush all other kingdoms. This, yeah. this, you're part of the royal family. Maybe that's what it is, because maybe I'm not appreciating the fact that normal, poor people's of all descriptions with dirt floors and never, but they can become a royal priesthood through obedience to the message here. They said they, they, what they, they stumble because they disobey the message. They, it, it's simple and being added to it, but maybe that's what, I think that's what it's all about. It's about making people who are considered by cultures just nothing, you know, well, you you blacks, rednecks, this and that and other, but well, then he makes it a royalty available. It it is kind of amazing. Yeah, it it, it is. It's a cultural. Um, it it it, yeah. it demolishes the walls and culture. Listen to this, because I was thinking about this um, last night. We're actually our church. We're about to be moving into um, a series on Ephesians, and so I've been kind of preliminary, you know getting into that, studying uh, Ephesians. And, and um, last night I was in Ephesians 2, and then I went all the way through 3. But, you know, do you think about the what we talked about yesterday? I was like, man, Paul is on the same page with Peter in this discussion. And I think it's hard for us to get it sometimes because when we, we're not looking at the Scripture through the grand— I think there's a grand narrative. And, we I mean, I think a lot of people think that, but we debate over what that grand— narrative is i think a big part of it is what jace just mentioned in in uh, daniel 2 and daniel 7 and just this idea that some there's a kingdom that's going to come and when it comes it's going to it's, it's going to be something that that's going to crush all of the kingdoms and so when you get in the book of, of, of ephesians in chapter 3 verse 6 it gives this interesting verse that i think gives a lot of context to what we're talking about it says talks about the mystery of christ it says, this is the mystery. So Ephesians 3, 6 defines what the mystery is. This is the mystery, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So you start there, you think, what, what's the whole thing about? And, and, and I think this is connected to it, and, and I'll, I'll show you how. You go back to Ephesians 2. You know why I think you're on something on to something there? That's why I that? think just after this, he starts talking about how, how slaves are to behave because they're royalty, but the owner of the slaves, he has no idea that, that he is talking to a, a royal priest in the kingdom, and he's being mean, and, and Peter just showing showing you how to respond if you're, you, in other words, we're talking about, you know, you can be, I, I'm embarrassed for being called royalty, but what about the people who were under slavery at the time and then suffering through that? You just think of, the, of of how they viewed it. 
I mean, they were thinking, yeah, or, man. or even under, or even under an oppressive governmental uh, power. You know, it's and it's, Peter it's, had to yeah, remind him. He, he said, "Hey, if you suffer for doing good, hey, you know what? Go go ahead. That's that's what you do. You suffer for yeah, doing so, good." So, think about Peter's argument in chapter two, as he's talking about there's a new building that's being built, right? The, the old one, we know what happened to the old one. Uh, it it was destroyed in eighty seventy. And it, so that's coming, and that, so he's and here he's like, look, there's a new a new building, new stones. Uh, there's a cornerstone whose name is Jesus. Um, and so when you go back to Ephesians two, it mirrors that same language, but it gives a little bit more of a uh, context to the purpose of it. He says, therefore, remember that it, this is Ephesians two eleven, which uh, I was just in the first part of Ephesians two. This is the last half. Therefore, remember that at one time. You Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircum you called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you at one time were separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. So we're thinking here, when you hear commonwealth, I mean you're thinking like kingdom, right? You're alienated from the kingdom, strangers to the covenants of the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. You're, you are in bad shape, Gentiles. But now, in Christ Jesus, you, who once were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both, so that he have the one and the many here, made us both Jew and Gentile one. So you have, you have diversity, and then you have unity, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostil- hostility by abolishing the law of of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of two. So making peace, and he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, therefore killing hostility. And he came to preach peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near, for through him we both have access to one spirit. So here's the part that mirrors the this uh, uh, First Peter two language. Hang on, so, Zach. Hang on, Zach. Before you read that, let's take a break. Well, one thing, uh, one of our oldest sponsors, Jace, is our old friends at Keeps. Uh, they're all about keeping your hair, uh, which we we've all kind of thought was funny since we all have a lot of hair, especially you and Dad. Um, it it's really made for people who lose their hair before the thirty five. And you don't want to take that gamble, right? You want to be able to hang on to it. Hair loss can be tough, especially when you're a young man. And so you want to be able to try to hang on to it as long as you can. Uh, Keeps has a clinically proven, FDA-approved hair loss treatment. It's all available online. Uh, They prevent hair loss. They stimulate hair growth. And they help you take care of the hair that you have. They have a medical provider. Uh, that helps you find the right product for you, uh, develops a personalized hair-saving routine. Uh, it can come straight to your door, about half the cost of a traditional pharmacy. Um, they have 24-7 uh, questions. If you have any, uh, it's going to be right there for you. You don't even have to get off the couch. That's the best part of it. To get a special offer, go to keeps.com slash door. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash door. So this is the part that mirrors the second, uh, uh, the first Peter two language. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Here's the language built on the foundation 
of the prophets and the apostles, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. So he's the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows. I love this. This is, so you say, well, what, what are we, what are we talking about every week here? We come back to this. It grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the spirit. It, this, this is the point of, I think it's the overarching theme of the Bible that God wants to dwell with his people. He wants to dwell with his, dwell with his people. It was in the tabernacle. It was in the temple. The temple got destroyed. That's over. And now it's in us. Like we are the temple. I, I mean, we cannot overemphasize. I think that's a hard that. thing for human beings to grasp. I really do. Well, you've stumbled up on the beauty of what Christ did and the reason why a lot of people don't accept this because the people who deem themselves successful or have a high pedigree or some kind of royal lineage from an earthly viewpoint, <clears throat> they don't like the fact that somebody dirt poor, poor in the down who doesn't look like them, who's from another country, can have the exact same benefits that is correct. of what God offered. There's the rub right there. So just to, just to pile on what you're saying, it's the same thing Paul said with all the problems at Corinth when he got to 1 Corinthians 12, 12. He said, the body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ, for we're all baptized by or into one spirit, into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we're all given the one spirit to drink. That's the test right there. They to this day they have they have they have difficulty. A lot of people with putting that because in I think they they have difficulty because it's it's we're self absorbed. I mean, humans are self absorbed because our of our sin. What Jace just described in Scripture or read in Scripture is a reflection of the nature of who God is. And when we get to Second Peter, there's a there's a phrase in Second Peter, the first chapter, that says that we are invited to be, um, I think the phraseology is, uh, participators in the divine nature. So we're not just spectating. Going back to our conversation yesterday about church, you know, we're not just look, we're not here just looking, spectating. We're invited to participate in the divine nature. You say, what is the divine nature? And there's people that have pushed back on this, but I'm telling you, it's, it's, I don't know how you get away from it. The divine nature of God is, is that he's triune. He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's three persons, but he's one being. So you have, you have diversity, three persons, and you have one being. He's, he's one. Unity and diversity. It's what's happening here in the text. That's what he's calling us to. He's saying there's a, a lot of different cultures, a lot of different people, and we can celebrate all that stuff. That's great. That, but, but, but I'm calling you into one body. In, in, um, what is it, Paul saying Galatians, that there's neither a Greek nor Jew. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female in the kingdom. And so in the kingdom, it is the great leveler because there is a participation in the divine nature of, of different um personalities coming together and living out this oneness. It's the whole book of Ephesians. It's what it's what when, we, when he says it to uh, the purpose of the church is to make the manifold wisdom of God known. That's how that happens, because people look at that and they say, man, this doesn't make any sense when this guy's hanging out with this guy. Like they should not be in the same like community, but they are and they love each other. 
Like that's what the kingdom looks like. It looks really strange to the world because it of would. that. It sure. And would. the beauty of it is the beauty and the symmetry is that that Paul is speaking to these brothers in Ephesus who are of Gentile nature, but he expresses the exact same truths that Peter does to the scattered of the Jewish Christian brethren. In see all the ones that Jesus that uh, Peter's talking to are of Jewish heritage. But the, the message is exactly the same. In First Peter 1, what was it? The triune God. First Peter 1, 2, right? It, it's the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. It's the same gospel message. But the idea is you are part of this. You are the people of God. And it was really interesting. And in both cases, Dad, you don't deserve it. Yeah. And that's why in Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, he says, it is by grace in verse 8, you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by work so that no one can boast. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That helps. And Peter's going <coughs> to have the exact same message when he says, live such a life and abstain from sinful desires. And when people look at you, these pagans, even though they want to condemn you, they can't because you're living in such a way that they have to give God glory. So that's the whole point is that one is viewed from a Jewish perspective, one from a Gentile. I mean, it's the symmetry here is so but, amazing. But, but, yeah. It's, it's different perspective, but yeah, it's, that it's helps the same me a message. Lot. I, 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 I have understood more after looking at this about being in a royal camp. I mean, it's just a shocker. I think the reason is, I, I mean, I think one of the, ways you knew this is difficult to wrap your head around is because Jesus set the tone in this by telling a lot of parables. If you go back to some of the things he said about, you remember the one where he said, you know, a guy was hiring workers and he hired three different sets of workers at three different times of the day, but he paid them all the same. Well, look, most people on the planet, when they hear that story, they would rant and rave. They're not going to like that. No. Okay, if you're in church or you're at the, you know, the golf course, you're like, well, wait a minute now. He got paid. I work longer than him. I deserve more. Yep. Well, why is Jesus telling this story? Because when it comes to the kingdom, we're all going to be on the same level. And they agreed to work for whatever the Well, it, yeah, it, it, you can make the arguments, but still people are not going to like that. Because if you were the nah, guy. Yeah, but, that, but, but think of the context there, that the, the Gentiles arrived to the basically they're the, they're the they're the laborers that came in later we are oh, right. we came in later oh yeah and so so but you think about to al's point how similar the message is and there's some nuances you get to acts 17 and you know you see paul in in uh um at the areopagus and and you know he's that was a little different like argument than he would make in the synagogues but in ephesians uh two i thought i thought it was interesting that when he's making, he's talking to Gentiles and he's basically telling them here, you know, Hey, it's good for you that the, that the law, we, we, I, Hey, you're in now. Cause we got, we got rid of the law. You would think, so what they, if I was Gentile, but what does the law got to do with me? You know, like that's a, that's a Jewish problem, right? They, they could not fulfill the law. So for them, I can see that would be good news. Why would, why would that be good news for me? It has nothing to do with me. And I think Paul's point is exactly, it had nothing to do with you. And now you're getting in. Like it was like you were out, like you were out. They were out because they couldn't fulfill the law. You were out because you weren't ever, ever even a part of it. I, that's all gone in Jesus. And now Christ is reconciling all things. He's he's bringing the kingdom in, and it is an incredibly diverse 
uh, body, but it's not diversity alone because it's diversity that gets that, that, that gets um, pulled into unity and oneness. And it's kind of a view of like marriage as well. When he gets to Ephesians five, marriage is kind of a, a, a example that Paul uses of what that looks like. You got two people coming together who got all kind of different baggage and backgrounds and, you know, uh, family structures and all that. And, but they're coming together and they become one flesh, um, which is the ideal going back to Genesis but one, two, you got to remember too. some, some of we'll head out. Let's take, yeah, let's take another break. So Jace, uh, you and I, we spend a lot of time having to, to listen to things. You've got your, uh, Treasure hunting, you got to listen for your beeps, right? And all that going <laughs> <Yeah>. on. <laughs> but yeah. also, when you travel, right, you like to listen to music, uh, like I do. Yeah, mainly and, uh, because I don't want to hear the uh, the announcements on the airplane because they're way too loud. <laughs> they are very loud and, and annoying. Uh, so one of the one of our sponsors is a, a group called Raycon. Uh, and they pr- provide earbuds, and they do it at a very uh, reasonable price, which is something that's very good. It's a premium auto uh, at the perfect price point. They are about half the price of most of the premium auto brands, which is really good. Uh, they've got a great uh, buy now, pay later option, uh, which is always good. A free return guarantee uh, if there's any issues out of there. They have uh, tap functions on them. They have noise isolation, which is good for those annoying announcements that Jace mentioned. Uh, crystal clear call quality, water and sweat resistant, uh, which is really good. Uh, ready to buy something small with a big impact? Go to buyraycon.com slash unashamed today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buy, B-U-Y, Raycon, R-A-Y-C-O-N dot com slash unashamed to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com slash unashamed. You got to remember some of Peter's perspective. I mean, we realize he's being carried along by the Holy Spirit. But like when you read Acts 10, and you remember this situation with Cornelius, you know, just to pick out a few high points, in, in 34, Peter began to speak, and he says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him, and do what is right. You know, and he, he goes on as he's preaching and he goes back to, you know, them being eyewitnesses and talking about John's baptism and revisiting the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And then in 44, it says, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. So, I mean, he's he's remembering these moments where he's like having these aha moments of, oh, man, God came down for the entire world, every single person. And I'm looking at it and I have miraculous events confirming that, which is the same Peter, which is the same exact Peter that uh, that Paul said when I saw that he was not acting in line with the truth of the gospel that I rebuked him to his face because he was essentially siding with the Judaizers and, and, and kind of distancing himself from, from the uncircumcised. So it's, it's interesting that that guy who struggled, I mean, he, in his, in his own personal like uh, life and, 
and what he was bent towards. I mean, he struggled with, just like probably a lot of Jewish people that they struggled with the inclusion of the Gentiles. I mean, he struggled with that. And, and, and he, and he was like, didn't want to be seen with them. And at least in, in, when, in the context of Galatians and so I, to, to know that that was going down in Acts 10, to know that he's the one that's writing this right here about this royal priesthood, this holy nation of people for God's own possession. So the I mean, like this is coming from a very flawed individual. Remember, it, it seemed to take three times to get things through to Peter because, you know, three times he denied him. Three times Jesus said, do you love me? And then God had to let the sheet uh-huh. down three times uh-huh. before he would eat out of it. So it, it, it took three times to get through to Peter, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> whatever the command <laughs> seemed to be. Yeah. You know, he was a three time guy. Maybe, yeah. maybe he had a hard head, too. <laughs> yeah. you think well y'all had that shirt uh it, you and I, i've listened to y'all do this at these wild beast feasts and stuff at the whole arise kill and eat you know the whole the sheet coming down which is hilarious when you guys do that um but think about what, what he's saying even in that when when god brought that down what was his, what was the point of that it wasn't just to open the diet up i mean he's making a point like i'm i'm about to call people into this thing and if I call them clean, guess what? They're clean. It, it, it is about the inclusion of the Gentiles that was that was happening. If you go back and read the context of that whole sheet coming down and all the all the animals on there, that's a it's 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 an example and a foreshadowing of what he's doing in in accomplishing bringing in things. That, oh, don't don't call something unclean that I've called clean. That we're done with that. Yeah, you know I mean, I'm opening this up for the for the world, which to me. When we think about being missional, I mean that, that that's the that's the call. We can go to the world and say God wants you. He wants you. I think there's another subtle point in this text as well about the idea of if you understand that you don't deserve this and to dad's point that we don't deserve this and yet it's given to us by way of mercy. And I think there's a modern illustration. So we don't have a lot of royalty to look to in today's modern culture, but there is a little bit. So you got the Brits that are still holding on right to some bit of royalty. And so we got, you know, one of their princes has fled to America to escape his royal responsibility, right? He, he's basically said, I don't want to be a royal anymore. He married an American girl and he's like, I, I don't want the responsibility of, of my royalty because supposedly he's royal by birth. And so they're supposed to spend a life of service to the crown. That's their responsibility. It's in his bloodline. This is what he's supposed to do. And they've got all these things lined out. They travel around, they go to Africa, they do this, they do that. And he's just like, no, I want to go and make reality TV shows for Netflix. That's what I've decided I want to do. And so he doesn't have a responsibility to the crown. And so there's been all this back and forth and conflict and tell all books and blah, blah, blah. And there's all this unrest in their kingdom. And so in some ways, this is what happens when you don't receive your kingship or your royalty with mercy. It's it, you, you walk away from the responsibility of it. And, and in some ways, I see that in this. If you can't understand that it's given you in grace, if somehow you think, first, I deserve it and then I don't want it and then I walk away from it, then you never really understand why it was given to begin with. And so I think even in a practical way, we can see that in, 
illustratively, even in the, in the modern example yeah. of what happens when we can't receive something by grace. And, that's, why, and, well, that's why he sets it up at the beginning of that, just to reiterate, he says that Jesus is, it says they, the stone which the builders rejected became the cornerstone. So in the, in, in the Ephesians passage says the same thing, that, that Jesus is the cornerstone and it's on him that the whole thing is built. You know, so I think that it's, yeah, that, that is the mercy, right? I mean, the mercy, that, that's it. It's, it's saying that mercy is saying it's not about my accomplishments. It's not about my work. It's about the finished work of Christ. That's why he is that cornerstone, because he's the one that finished the work on the cross, not me. He did it. Everything is built on what he accomplished, not on what we've accomplished. I'm not a prince because of the blood that runs through my veins. I am a son because of the prince of peace and the blood that runs through his veins that covers me. That's the difference. That's the difference. That's what makes us. That way I can be a pauper. I can be a whatever, but I'm still royalty. And back to the original point, that's what makes us different. That's why it's an upside down kingdom. That's why we serve. That's why That's why he says we live such a way that people are going to give God glory on the day he visits because they've seen us, no matter what the circumstances, give him glory and give him praise, You know, even well, to the point of death. That is downright cool. It is. It really it, is. It, it's, it is. It's, it's cool. It's a beautiful, wonderful picture. It sure and it is. Really, and it really sets up kind of a difficult text that we're going into because when we talk about suffering, there's nothing beautiful about that. I mean, you know, trying to live up to a difficult circumstance or, or difficult situation. But if we realize who we are, you can do that. And so, yeah, because it's hard. <laughs> it's hard when you get into these, some of these texts because you're like, well, what is the is the Bible condoning this or condoning that? I'm like, man, that's you're we're missing the point. <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, when we ask that, I mean, it's not the point of you know, these texts, they're not like, okay, this is a, the Bible condoning this or that action or this or that practice. What it's about is it's about a spirit that he want that God wants his people to embody as reflected, as reflected in Christ. As you mentioned, um, it's, we're not priests and we're not royalty because the blood that flows in our veins, we are royalty because the blood that, that flowed out of his veins. And I, I was thinking about that song we used to sing, uh, there is a fountain filled with blood, you know, drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunge beneath the flood, uh, cleanse all their guilty stains. And I think I got the verse right, but it's the idea that, that Christ, his veins are open and, and it's, it's just a flow, a, an infinite flow of, of the blood of God. You know what I mean? And, and, and it's in the way that we are made holy, the way that we are made uh, into, uh, brought into a, a this royal priesthood is the, our guilty stains are moved, removed, not by what we've done, but by sinners, you know, plunging beneath the flood. I mean, that's it. That's what baptism symbolizes. We're going to get to that in, uh, in, the, in the next chapter, uh, chapter three. But I mean, it's, it's, it's you're, you're, you're going down under the blood. You're clean, you know, because of what he did. It's not like he hasn't been setting this up. You know, when he started the letter, when he in verse three, it said, in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. I mean, his mercy was was the birthplace of our birth. And then when he goes on to say in verse 18, you know, 
of chapter 1, that it is, was not with the perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you, but it was with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times. So when we get to chapter 2, and he makes that same reference, uh, verse 4, as you come to him, the living stone, <clears throat> rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. And the point I wanted to make is that, because we're going to get into this difficulty about seemingly a contradictory statement where it's like, live as free men, live as servants of God. Well, wait a minute, wait, what? But when you think about where this foundation is in Jesus, our cornerstone, I would I would say that he was the most free person in, in the world because he was above the world. Just think about how free Jesus is eternal. Well, you're not going to get any more free than that. So what did he do? Based on love for us, he put restrictions on himself by becoming human. So somewhere in that foundation, you're going to find what true freedom is. It's not free from all restrictions. It's finding the liberating restrictions that you were designed to, to uh, adhere to. And I think that's going to set the tone for understanding that. Because when you think about any relationship that's meaningful, you know, I, I committed to my wife. Well, what does that mean? Well, there's some restrictions there. But there's a freedom also in that, that God has designed a man and a woman to have this experience. So, and you say, what do you mean restrictions? I mean, you, well, if, if I really love her, I wouldn't, you know, go off and sleep with another woman. There, there's a restriction there. And so even when you read 1 Corinthians 13 and you start defining love, it's a beautiful passage, but there's also a lot of limitations there. And you're like, well, I thought we were free. Oh, we're free. Everything about what Jesus did liberates human beings it's the most free place to be but i do think that sets the tone for having you know once you you're reading the entire letter that he wrote by the when you get here you're starting to say oh oh wait there, there's a freedom that's very difficult for me to wrap my head around yeah i think that i think the freedom is in i think that's yeah we, we look at freedom and we think that's some kind of libertine freedom which means we can just do whatever we want to do which doesn't um, exist on the planet by the way <laughs> you know what I mean? it doesn't, yeah you're well, gonna be I mean, limited, think about right? the biblical principles that you're a slave to something so really the yeah. idea when you when you start attacking this head on it's people like well yeah. i'm gonna be free from all commitments I'm just gonna do whatever I, you know, I want to. No, you're you're a slave to something. There's something that's driving you. And really, when it comes down to it, it's just a, it's a lie for being selfish. Well, that's, I mean, that's it. All because it you is. could do, you, yeah, you could do whatever you want to do until you run up against somebody else who's doing whatever they want to do, and they're more powerful than you. And then, and then what you want to do is limited, you know. And we're limited by just the the fact that we're. We're finite creatures. I, man, such a good point. You go to Romans 6. I think this is a good context for what you're talking about. Um, Romans 6, at the end of it, you know, we've always preached Romans 6 about baptism, which is uh, partly about that. But, man, you know, Romans 6 is a whole lot more about 
sanctification than it is your justification. And so he gets into that. He says, for just as you were, uh, just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity, you want to be, a, you want slavery. You find someone who's in bondage to impurity and, and, and drug addiction and pornography addiction. I mean, it's, it will enslave you. You know what I mean? That's, that's slavery. And to lawlessness resulting in further lawlessness, because it just keeps going deeper. He says now, because that's what you used to be. But he says now present your members as slaves to righteousness. So to your point, you're going to be a slave to something. You can be a slave to wickedness and you can be a slave to depravity, which will end in your own destruction. Or you can be a slave to righteousness. Listen to this resulting in sanctification, which means being healed, progressively healed from the power of sin. He says, uh, he goes on to say, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness, which is not a good thing. Therefore, what benefit were uh, were you deriving from the things which you are now ashamed of? You know, Phil talks about being ashamed of what he used to be because there's no benefit. He didn't get the benefit of righteousness. For the outcome of those things is, is death. So you're you're free to pursue your way all the way to death. But now, having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit. And this is the benefit resulting in sanctification and the outcome, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And you go to John 17, 3, it tells you what eternal life is. It's intimacy with God. It's it's knowing the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and then the incarnation of the Son and Jesus. That's eternal life. So we say we're free. I, I, I'm a slave to God. Yeah, but that's a good thing because that's leading me into true life. But yeah, his freedom is based on grace and truth. So you know that the restrictions that come with being a son or daughter of God born again is we're living in the design that he intended us for uh, to live. And I, I heard a really good sermon on this uh, by Tim Keller. It was called, uh, let me see what this is called, uh, The Freedom of Submission, which sounds <laughs> contrary. It sounds like a, <laughs> but a, it a was, contradiction, right? It was, it was from First Peter 2. And the first yeah. thing he read was an essay by Martin Luther in the sermon, and uh, now look, it, it, it's a deep concept to wrap your head around, but I, I really like this quote that he read from this hey, essay. Jace, before, yeah, before you read that, let's take our last break. And in the Martin Luther's essay, which it, you can get it online, it says "The Freedom of a Christian." It starts off saying this: A Christian is a perfectly free Lord of all, subject to none. The next sentence says, a Christian is a perfectly dutiful servant of all, subject to all. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> and so, and he used the example, uh, Keller did a 1 Corinthians 9, 9, where, you know, when Paul said, although I'm free, I make myself a slave to everyone that I may win some. And so he goes through this concept of free through submission uh, you know, service, obedience, because Christ set the example. He was most free and he came down for us based on love. And all of a sudden, when, like the opposite of this, where people say, oh, I just want to be free and I don't want any restrictions. 
and they go from one relationship to another. And whenever commitment starts to happen, you know, they run. Well, when you look at their life and what happens as a result, it, it they're led around by their emotions and impulses. And it's it ends one, up looking a whole lot like it ends up looking a whole lot like slavery. Exa- it? Exactly. <laughs> it and it it doesn't produce peace, joy, contentment. And so he made an illustration I thought was was great. Uh, and he had read some book from the fifties where it, the same concept was being promoted: this freedom in in restrictions that God designed us to be like which is the context when you go back to grace and truth, him him being the wise, all-knowing, what's best for us and the trust that we have for him. But it was a story all about a fish who wanted to be free because he was in prison by all this water. He was like, if I could just get to the land because I'm trapped here and I want to be free. And so obviously you see where this is going. You know, he had gills. He was designed for the water. This is his is his world. So he finally jumps out of the water. And he's on the land. And what happens? He starts gasping for air, uh, literally dying. And the very thing that he thought would bring freedom brought the opposite. Misery and event, gasping, uncomfortable uh you know, and death. And his point was he wasn't designed. He was designed to be in the water. And so when you look at spiritually, when we're not living, you know, as God wants us to be spiritually, what happens when you separate yourself from God? Well, you're gasping, you're, you're dying. And, uh, it it was just a really fascinating, uh, lesson. And he, he, he tied in with a text in, uh, Jeremiah two, talking about broken cisterns and uh you know I, I read it it was really interesting and basically it was anything that you put your faith and trust in besides god the living water is a broken cistern even if it's good and he made this uh incredible example about even if your spouse was where you put all your hope in and all your trust in well what do you do when you're staring at them in a casket because basically your god is now it, how, how do you move on? And he was like, it's a broken cistern. Even though it was a good thing, it, it's going to lead to nothing that is fulfilling. Then you're done because you're like, well, there. So, yeah, it was really, really powerful. So it's, it's, not, it's not like something you can just say, oh, well, we're free. We have, you know, I famously have said we have no rules because Christ nailed them to the cross. But that doesn't mean that we're not trusting God in us being created as he knows what's best for us. And that's why in the middle of all this, which we're not really addressing, addressing, but like in chapter two, he's like, rid yourselves of all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander and every kind, because that's not what God intended us to be doing. So eventually you're going to get to love and with love comes restrictions, but it also comes motivation to trust God in trying to allow him to be the standard to live by the way he designed you. Yeah, we skipped over that first, those first two verses, the, or three verses, which are super powerful. And I think you're hitting on what you're talking about. You know, there is a call to holiness. There's a call to putting to death the misdeeds of the body, to quote the Apostle Paul in Romans 8, of life by the Spirit. And it's it's for a purpose, 
that you may grow in respect to salvation. Well, salvation, I thought that was a one-time event. No, salvation is an ongoing process. It is a one-time event at your justification, but your sanctification is ongoing, and it's continual growth. And and I love how you reach this. If if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. And so I think that's the thing. When you think about somebody, and we know because uh, the church that uh, we all grew up in was um, there was a lot of people that came through, primarily because of Phil's ministry and Mac Owen and Celebrate Recovery, and I mean, there's a lot of people that have come through that that you know just said I'm just gonna uh, my, my my life is gonna be I'm gonna follow pleasure and passion, like we've seen that, and everybody every single person without fail which is hundreds that have come through that have said, I'm going that route to, I'm going to, I'm going to go with the freedom route. I want to be free to follow my passions and my desires and what I I want that I'm going after that. Every single one of the people that went that route uh, wound up being enslaved to it. Um, which reminded me of that second Peter, I think it's second Peter two passage where he says, uh, they promised, they promised themselves freedom or promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves to depravity. You know what I mean? It's like this idea that we're, we're promising you freedom, but yeah, but once you get into it, it's like, it's not, I don't feel so free. Like I'm, I'm completely consumed by it and I'm, I'm not even present in the world. Really. I'm in this carnal, just, you know, like bull in the rut kind of mentality. I I can't even think of anything else other than whatever the passion is that I'm going after. That's why I said there's you know. two assumptions that everybody or premises that everybody's going to have to agree to because there, it's just a lie to say you're going to be free from everything. You're just going to live a – because how many movies do you see? How many books? You know, I just want to be free. I want to go out and travel. And Well, the, you, your number one premise, everyone is a slave to something. And number two, any commitment brings – Restraint and restrictions. It, it's just two facts. And the Bible goes over it over and over again. But the beauty of that is when you find love in that, in the commitment itself, or in the promise, putting your, your trust in, in uh, you know, the promises of God, it makes you not be fearful of making promises. Because, I mean, look, if you love God, that's great. You love your neighbor, you're going to be let down. If you make that promise, I'm going to love my neighbor. That's going to be very, very difficult to pull off sometimes. Tell me about it. I mean, I I had something that's really silly happen just, you know, not too long ago. But it made me so mad because, you know, my neighbor's dogs, they'll come down. They don't like my dogs. And so they'll come stick their head in the doggy door and they bark at each other. And they'll do it in the middle of the night. You know, so that's one thing. Uh, but we, we, we should say that Al's your neighbor. Al, are these your dogs? Al, these were not his dogs. It was, not my it dog. was on the other side of the family, <laughs> the married-in side. But I'll tell you this. So about <laughs> I at, knew they were related. At 4 o'clock in the morning, I had my alarm set for 4.05 because I'm fixing to go duck hunting. At 4 o'clock, my, dog, my alarm goes off, which are my dogs. <laughs> well, the wind was blowing. And so what – now, it took me a while to figure this all out, but – I didn't know what happened. I thought Jay had come down and was like wanting a ride or something. I didn't realize it was a dog. But so I go duck hunting. I come back. Well, I have a bathroom in my little cubby hole where my dogs stay. Well, when I walked into the bathroom, I slid. 
and realized I stepped in dog poop that was way too mm. big for my little dogs. And I thought, mm -mm. how did this get here? Because the door was open. When I walked in, the, my door was open that morning at 4 o'clock. I thought the wind had blown it open. But what happened was the neighbor dog stuck his head in my doggy door, and the door just went open. So he then comes in my house, the neighbor's dog, goes to my bathroom and poops on the floor <laughs> and leaves. <laughs> that's the ultimate disrespect. Yeah, that's disrespect. Let me tell there, you, man. if somebody said, you got to love your neighbor, it's as mad as I've ever been. <laughs> love comes hard. It doesn't say you have to love your neighbors now. <laughs> um, it's a silly story, but look, because at that moment, I was wanting to go over there and declare war. Yeah. Right then. Dead dog. Leave dead a trail dog. of dead dog. Oh, yeah, I mean, I was oh infuriated, but I realized something in that. I, I got to commit to that, and there's some restrictions. So you know what I did? Nothing. I got over it, but it took three days. Well, <laughs> I may I may have had to passive aggressively at least lay the seed that hey, your dog dumped in my house. I mean, I, I so will, it's, it's <laughs> out, we're out of time, but it sounds like we're going to need some therapy, and so we want you to join us in our overtime segment as we give Jace a little bit of dog poop therapy. I needed to get that off my chest. How do we, how do we end with dog? Poop? I don't know. I apologize. Like, I apologize. The whole dog trip story started when I said I don't feel like I ought to be called royalty. Then he said, "Let me tell you, I no. kill dogs." No, I'm a. I'll leave a trail of dead dogs. I'll tell dog you why behind. we got there because of two eleven, where it says, "I urge you to live as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul." I've been at war. <laughs> of the desires that cropped up over that occurrence. It has been a war. So oh. we're going to we're going to set up this uh, 213 a little bit more in our overtime blazetv.com/unashamed if you want to come check yeah, it out. Yeah, let's get out of here before it gets worse. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes and don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.